as we continue our exploration of the discipling calling, today we're going to look at who is a discipler. Hello and welcome to another session in our uh, teaching series, which we've titled Band of Disciples. And the entire purpose of this series is to equip you with biblical and educational principles so that you can disciple people for Jesus. Uh, we assume that you have been prompted by God to engage in this discipleship movement that Jesus established uh, 20, you know, 2,000 odd years uh, ago. And, and, uh, and you're so fired up about figuring out how you can do this uh, better. And we hope that we would encourage you and inspire you to live out your calling and change the world for Jesus one person at a time. Uh, the, the series is divided into three uh, mini-series, if you like. The discipling calling that we've been on for a while now. We're going to look uh, later on the discipling community, as I alluded in our last session. And then at the end, we're going to look at some discipling competencies. Uh, as we continue our exploration of the discipling calling, today we're going to look at who is a discipler? Yeah, that's that's a, a really obvious question that we need to ask ourselves. Who is a, a discipler? Like, what am I meant to be? How should I see myself? I understand that my role is to help people uh, be uh, in the process of being a certain type of person in the world. The ideal human person is Christ. And we want to help them to mature and unfold what's already on the inside of them so they can live uh, their life uh, like a little Jesus in the world, being inspired by the desire of reflecting the image that we were created to be, the image that is already in us but not yet uh, exhibited through us. So, so, so who am I then as a discipler in a discipling community? We said that people can only grow and develop this personhood when they are part of a community, which we'll talk about in, in, in several um, uh, sessions to come. But we're just looking at the discipler in a community of disciples. What, what is a discipler? And, uh, you know, you probably grew up hearing all types of definitions about who is a discipler, right? You probably, uh, most people communicate their own uh, view or personal preferences, you know, or the type of traits or activities or roles that is so familiar to them. Maybe they communicate the, the, the tradition that they grew up in and, and how they perceive discipler uh, or uh, disciplers or discipling to be, and, and they uh, and they. Say, this must be it. Uh, obviously, this is the biblical view of it. And some even take some biblical um, verses, uh, a passage, and say, that's what a discipler is. And we end up uh, with diverse opinion about what a discipler is. So I just want to pass on my uh, personal view that I have uh, grown up with, that I have been taught, and I've actually seen make a difference in the way that we have been able 
to encourage and disciple people who went on to encourage and 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 teach and 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 disciple others also and and I guess uh, if if you had to brainstorm what people say about what who is a discipler you probably have already guessed that some people consider a discipler as someone who leads by example have you ever heard that I have heard that so many times in my ministry years. Whenever we talk about the, the a discipler or discipling, people say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know what I know what that is." I, I, I you know, my discipling, uh, my approach, uh, I'm, I, I just lead by example. I'm an example. Uh, it's code four. Don't bother me. I don't have time to do anything. I'm just going to be and hope for the best. That's code for being an example. It's like, I'm just don't have time for this stuff. I'm just going to be and hopefully something will happen. Uh, others would say, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, being a discipler, a discipler uh, actually means being an encourager. Somebody who edifies others. And edifying is like really an encourager, isn't it? And it's code for, I really value being liked and approved by others. So I'm just going to pat people on the back all the way and I'm going to encourage them and compliment them. So don't expect me to see, to say anything that's challenging or anything that may get me rejected. <laughs> That's discipling. For others, which sounds a lot more biblical and, and, and a lot more holier, I guess, uh, because it's hard to do. So we feel really good when we say uh, disciple is an evangelist. It's somebody that is going out there. He's reaching the lost. He's preaching the gospel to people uh, he knows or she knows and people they don't. They out there in the street and they challenge people. They debate with people. Uh, they have a lot of knowledge. Of, of the spiel or they have a lot of knowledge about apologetics or they have a lot of knowledge about some persuasive um, uh, you know, ways of, of communicating, whatever it might be. But they say, you know, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to all nations. It's all about evangelism. I, I, I heard people say that I fish them and you clean them. <laughs> so basically, they are simply evangelists. People who share the, the four laws of evangelism, the gospel, uh, you know, they, they're good at talking, but they don't have time to nurture other people. Like, oh, that's just not exciting. Give me a mic. Uh, and if there's no mic, just give me a, a, a stage. If there's no stage, I'll create a stage and, and I will tell people, you know, but I'm not going to care. I'm not going to nurture people. And they say, that's discipling. And uh, imagine if you um, had a band member or, 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 or a, um, you know, a, a leader, a band leader who said, I'm going to build a band. We're going to start a really amazing band that is going to, um, you know, produce a new tunes, um, a target, a specific target market that has been abandoned. We're going to do something profound. It's, it's going to not only entertain people, but the music is going to be healing music. It's going to be amazing. It's going to transform our environment and it's going to have a purpose and a message attached to it. And so, wow, that's a beautiful vision. That's you know, that's a cause of, of, of your investment. And, and they say, yeah, look at me. And they start creating marketing campaigns, social media ads, you know, Instagram ads. They, they go crazy with flyers and, and video, um, you, you know, um, uh, 
video uh, visual um, advertisements and and they 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 put a lot of money into their campaign marketing campaign and they they seem to be getting a lot of recruits and and they meet with them and they sell them the benefit of that new band man if you get on the band we're gonna make a difference in the world we're gonna produce the best possible music it's not just gonna be this you know silly music we're gonna have a meaning and it's gonna uh, it's gonna it's gonna help people and 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 they get people to sign on the dotted line and and they tag those new recruits in a big event and they celebrate. Hey, how fantastic. We got all these recruits. We invest this much energy and money and strategy. And look at our recruits. Let's celebrate. And they celebrate. And then they say to them, um, okay, we'll see you next week. We're going to celebrate again. Yeah. We're going to tell stories about how you came to be part of the band. And, and then the following week, hey, we're going we're gonna to celebrate more people who are coming or more people we're engaging with. It's just going to be one big celebration. And then after a while, the, the band leader just leaves. So, you know, okay, you guys do that. I'm going to continue doing the recruitment drive. Do you think that band is going to produce the vision that they were established to accomplish? Uh, are they going to really be the type of band that, that develops people and go to the next level and produce the beautiful music that they probably capable of doing because they've been recruited for it? That's sometimes what we turn uh, discipling into. When we, when we consider discipling as just simply evangelizing, we're basically doing recruitment drives. But evangelism alone, listen to me, I'm happy for you to judge me, but evangelism alone isn't discipling. No matter how holy it sounds, no matter how difficult, so like you're a martyr because you do the hard yards and, and the rest of us Christians are, are just, you know, d d don't cut, don't, don't make the cut. You know, we, we, we're not, we're not th thick skinned enough to, to preach without fear. You know, uh, that's great. But evangelism is a significant aspect of discipling, but alone is not discipling. You know what? Paul, the greatest evangelist, was more than an evangelist. How's that? Paul, the greatest evangelist, was more than an evangelist. I hope this would inspire you to continue to reach out those people that don't know Jesus, but don't leave it there because Paul didn't. And you might say to me, Peter, so, so what did Paul do? How did he conceive himself? What actually was the image of being a discipler that constituted the activities that he did uh, and the effort that he invested? Well, I want to give you uh, just simple verses, just four simple uh, pieces of scripture that will help you see how Paul viewed himself as a discipler. And the first one comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. And it says this, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, listen, I became your father through the gospel. I became your father through the gospel. He reached out to the Corinthians. He saw those people make life-defining 
a decision that changed the trajectory of their life. They embraced Jesus and were united to Him by the power of the Spirit. And Paul says, because of that, I'm not your evangelist. I am your spiritual father. You see, I, I have heard throughout my life, people would say, oh, you can't call anyone father. It's like it's the one verse that they're hyping on. You can't call anyone father. What about Paul? He says to those people, was, was Paul a heretic? Paul says, I gave birth to you by means of the gospel. I was your spiritual father. And as a spiritual father, look at what he says, uh, using the same metaphor of giving birth. He says, my dear children, he says that to the Galatians, so a different church, for whom I'm again in pains of childbirth <laughs> until Christ is formed in you. Have you noticed that? He says the pains of childbirth. Birth. That means he's saying, I am again giving birth to you. I'm again being a father, just like this uh, metaphor of giving birth through the gospel. But now he's saying, it's, it doesn't stop with you becoming followers of Jesus. He says, until I have a purpose, Paul is saying, I'm going to continue to invest in you. Not I fish them and someone else cleans them. I'm going to continue to walk with you. I'm going to continue to disciple you until Wimple, until Christ is formed in you. I want to see you become more and more like Christ. My discipling doesn't end with a tract, doesn't end with a spiel, doesn't, doesn't end with a marketing campaign. My approach to discipling, Paul would argue, involves giving birth, that means laboring over and over and over and over until the final product of you being more and more like Christ. And that impacted the way Paul invested. And we mentioned this scripture, but in a different uh, manner in uh, past sessions, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, Paul says, Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So Paul is saying, I have given birth to you as a, as a new believer, a newborn believer. You have been united to Christ and became a new creation. But I still invest in you like a mother giving birth to her children for the goal of you become conformed uh, to, to, to the image of Christ. And then he tells us here that very purpose of seeing them mature, seeing them more like Jesus, because maturity is basically being Christ-like. He says, you know what? That drives me. That fuels my energy. That inspires me to do what Paul says, to invest every bit, strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ gives me, but I am collaborating 
operating with the Spirit of God, giving it my best shot. So it wasn't just coming to be evangelized. I want to see you become mature. That means to become more like Jesus. And you know what? I'm going to invest as much energy as I invest in evangelizing. I'm going to invest in you becoming mature. Paul! You're the evangelist, brother. You're the one that says, I weren't baptized because I was called to preach the gospel. You're now telling me you got to put that much energy so that people become mature. What? He says, yes, because I'm a discipler who is a spiritual parent who's not satisfied with people just being born. I want them to grow and develop and be parents themselves. Three different churches, Corinthians, Galatians, and Colossians. He says the same thing. I would believe that that is a pattern that Paul uh, uh, you know, imagined himself that particular type of person. He saw discipler as a as a parent. And look at this in in First Thessalonians chapter two, which we'll look at again in the next session or two. It says, "Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we." cared for you. He sees himself as a mother. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Can you see that repeated theme over and over and over in Paul's ministry. He's now saying to the Thessalonians now, I am and we are as the disciples that came and, 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 and uh, our lives intersected your pagan life and transformed you by the power of the word of God and through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. We gave birth to you and we care for you like a parent, like a mother, and we encourage you like a father, like we are dealing with you as our children, spiritual children. And he says, we didn't just give you the gospel and ran. He says, we didn't, you not only the gospel of God, they shared with you the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So people will say, I'm just an evangelist. That means they're going to share some information with, uh, you know, whoever is willing to listen. And, and, and that's it. Uh, you know, that, that, that's not Paul, who's the greatest evangelist and missionary who changed his known world like none other. How come? He didn't see his, uh, his role. He didn't see himself as a, uh, an insurance policy person who exchange with people a policy uh, for a benefit. No, no. He saw himself as a parent who's engaged in their life, who's committed to their development, who is totally and utterly entrusted with people because it's not that the end product is that they become believers of some assertions and beliefs. It's, it's more than that. He sees Christianity as a change of life. So it's not accomplished when somebody is born. It's accomplished when that born baby becomes healthy, nurtured, and lives their best life. What they were created to live to fully flourish. That's Paul's, uh, uh, I would imagine, Paul's uh, uh, challenge to us today in our Western world where we uh, articulate the concept of being a Christian as somebody that 
uh, accepts, uh, you know, some formula and prays a prayer and, and often at times live their life um, like uh, in a band, like that recruited in a band that they celebrate every week, but they're not developing, they're not becoming the type of band member and musicians that they were created to be. They left on their own devices to read here or do that, but they haven't been enriched as kids would be enriched in a family context. So Paul saw himself more than an evangelist. He saw himself as a parent. And you and I know parents are invested in the development of their kids. No parent, no matter their capability, is, is just interested in a child to be born and, and a, a, a healthy adult is not just reproducing but responsible. A healthy adult is not just reproducing of an offspring but they are responsible for their offspring. They care, they provide, they are in proximity, they protect, they nourish, they, 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 they're responsible for all their needs. They look after them until that child reaches a stage of life where they can do the same thing with others. They become interdependent and a healthy contributing member in, uh, in their society. You see, I read a story not long ago of um, what, what, what we'll call Jessica's mother. Jessica's mother uh, migrated to Australia uh, with her family and mixed with the wrong crowd. And at the age of 18, she became pregnant. She was so scared of her parents, uh, uh, of particular ethnic uh, tradition, that they would have been so shocked and ashamed of her. So she kept her pregnancy uh, secret. And I don't understand how, but she's managed to um, you know, spend her entire pregnancy uh, hiding uh, you know, her pregnancy from, from her schoolmates and, uh, and from her family until such a, such a night where she actually gave birth in her bedroom. Can you imagine that? It's like insanity. Uh, you know, we have three children. Like I, nobody can imagine what sh this young girl would have gone through to give birth uh, to this little uh, girl called Jessica. And, uh, and, and it was late. And as soon as her, she noticed that her family members went to sleep, uh, she, she escaped the house, wrapped the child in a blanket and took the child to uh, a hospital in, in Sydney, Australia called Liverpool Hospital. And um, in that little documentary, they showed some images that as about 1.37 a.m., the camera could see Jessica's mother and Jessica... Uh, being nurtured in the foyer, in the emergency uh, foyer of the hospital. And, and they also saw in the video that some nurses have interacted with this young mother and ensured that the baby was okay. And because the mother was, was obviously all over the place emotionally, um, some nurses took the child uh, away to support the child, but they you didn't have um, you know, the space to actually um, you know, take the the child and the mother in. And in the video, 
it shows uh, that the mother, um, within few minutes from, from looking after the child and the nurses looking after taking the child from her for a little period, we, we see that the girl, uh, the 18-year-old, actually exits the hospital and escapes. She leaves her baby behind. 14 years later, 14 years later, that baby that was left in Liverpool Hospital, approximately 1.30 in the morning, she reunited with her mom 14 days later, 14 years later, and the mother is captured sharing her heartfelt agony and regret and shame for leaving her child behind. It was incredibly moving um, uh, story where the mother was broken down because of that one single decision. She couldn't forget that decision. Why? Because running away is not what parents do. She couldn't just ignore the fact that she gave birth to a child. And say, okay, it doesn't matter now. The child is alive and well. I can live my life. No, she was agonizing over it. She couldn't live with herself because parents are not designed to run away from their kids. And I would submit to you that disciples are spiritual parents. They're not meant to run from their children, regardless of how messy regardless of how inadequate they feel, regardless of how it's challenging the experience. But disciples, as much as it's dependent on them, they don't run away from their spiritual children. They give birth again, so to speak. They, they strenuously invest with all the energy that God gives them. They give their all to share their life not just the gospel. They share their life with their spiritual children. They not just reproduce, they actually live in responsible lives to look after, to support, to care, to encourage. Uh, as as the end of, of, of that second chapter of 1 Thessalonians says that we cared for you, we encouraged you, we, we challenged you to live a life that is worthy of the, of the new uh, nature that you received. You are a new creation. You, are, uh, you make a new community, a new society in Christ now so you can live that. But how can you live that without having a spiritual family with spiritual parents who invest wholeheartedly and selflessly and unconditionally in their children. If you feel prompted to be a discipler, my my encouragement to you, begin to see yourself the way Paul saw himself. Not merely as a postman who who, who leaves messages in the mailbox, not as a a door-knocking sales insurance who comes and persuades people to sign on the dotted line. You take them into your family. They, They are a children given to you by God to care 
in, in a stewardship like the Lord would care for them. You are resembling the heart of God the Father to these people. And when that is the case... Imagine what would happen. Imagine if, if that talented band leader considered his band members or her band members as, as family. And yes, she recruits. And yes, she celebrates. But then for the rest of the time, she invests. They, she allows those people to see her play the instrument. She allows them to see her being consumed by the vision of changing the world through a new tune. She allows allows them to be loved and cared for when they down, when they practice and things don't work well. She allows them to observe what it's like to encourage and instruct and coach and help them be the type of people they meant to be. Imagine what will that band look like. It will look like a family internally, but it will change the families externally because what they will produce will not be just a symphony of talented musicians who are playing their own tunes but a symphony from heaven that captures the attention that changes the dynamic from the inside that sets people forward with an incredible God-honoring vision to impact the world around them. If you take that definition of being a discipler as being a spiritual parent, you will make an unbelievable difference in the life of these people around you. And that is our prayer for you. Until we see you next time, be utterly blessed in Jesus. Thank you for watching.